0: That's right, Marlins fans. We are back for episode two of Swimming Upstream. And part two of our consensus top 100 rankings, where we are taking the deep plunge into the Miami Marlins prospect pool. It's Alex and Daniel here with you. And I think that I can speak for both me and Daniel when I say that we are both still reeling really, from the closest thing to Marlins baseball that we've seen or heard in months, the MLB draft. Uh, and, and Daniel, uh, DJ Spalik <laughs> said that pitching was the focus. It turns out it was the only focus as the Marlins go and get six pitchers (laughs) over the first five rounds. The only five rounds, I should say, of this NLB draft. So yeah, thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, i just very excited just to be back here talking about our Marlins system. So happy with the reaction we got from Marlins followers uh, after releasing episode one. It really, really warms my heart to see that we, we're not the only lunatics that are passionate about the deep end of our farm system. Um, the draft was definitely interesting. Uh, I was not expecting at all for Miami to draft six out of six pictures, uh, but I'm still really happy with the results. I read in a few places actually, that the industry in general also believes we did well. I think Pipeline just, just, just ranked this as number two best class. Yep. So, I mean, really excited to see that. Uh, this crop though, I see it as a group where in three years, we're gonna look back and really be amazed at what we got i was telling my brother marcelo who is also an avid marlins fan bro wait two three years when meyer is a top of a rotation guy dax fulton is a top 100 prospect and nicholas is fighting to join our amazing rotation or is already pitching high caliber innings in the big leagues as a reliever i mean i'm really excited about about these guys that we got
0: yeah and like like i've said and heard and have written in a couple of places. It's definitely a draft that that Spalak and company, they had a plan on what they were going to do with their pool money. Uh, But we'll get into that shortly. Uh, Like you said, I also had this down uh, per pipeline, the second best draft of all 30 major league Mm -hmm. teams. So definitely something to be said for that. Um, First of all, though, speaking on the draft as a whole, before we break back into our our top 100 list, uh, it's a great spot to mention that these rankings are ever changing, right? Uh, I will be publishing at the end of this uh, conversation I'm having with Daniel on our top 100, which will probably be a, at least a four part series right now, maybe a five part series. We'll see where we get, uh, I'm going to be publishing the, the list on the blog, uh, which you guys already know it's linked on my Twitter and everything else. Uh, and we're going to update it as, as often as we can when, uh, if it changes at all with me and Daniel, uh, between our agreements, uh, and already <laughs> through one episode of our podcast, we, we have some changes to the top 35 guys, which we already, uh, We already covered last time on the podcast. So um, uh, we want to mention those uh, starting with the first round pick uh, who Daniel's already mentioned, Max Meyer. Uh, He comes out of the draft and immediately comes in as a highly rated prospect. Uh, Daniel, this is going to be your guy. Uh, Where where exactly is this latest Marlins first rounder entering the rankings at? And what have you seen from him in your research? Let, Let us know.
1: Yeah, so we decided to rank him as the number six prospect in our system right below Edward Cabrera. We couldn't do that right now, put him over Edward, but I'll tell you right now, he's not going to stay there, uh, Max Meyer. So a few weeks ago when I was really getting into researching the draft, I noticed that most platforms at Lacey and Hancock in, in the top tier and then Meyer on another one. And I kept asking myself why that was, I wasn't, Seeing any real reasons for Meyer to not be at that level Um, I asked around and what people came back with was height which I honestly don't give that much importance to as long as his delivery is approved by our development guys and the other is his track record the basically the fact that he doesn't have that many starts under his belt but that's another reason that I also take with a grain of salt because with the COVID stop that's the case for most pitchers yes Meyer only started 15 games in college who was on that top tier only started 20, you know? So during those 15 starts, it's been reported that his stuff didn't diminish at all as he got deeper into them. Pipeline has a note in his bio that mentions that he was actually still hitting 98 in the ninth inning of a start. So his stuff, get ready, folks. Meyer has 270 great pitches with a fastball that touches 101 miles per hour. I've heard 102 some places, but let's, let's stick to 101. And the best slider out of anyone in the draft that sits in the low 90s so that's basically Noah Syndergaard stuff right there a high 90s fastball and a low 90s wipeout slider uh mentioned as the best two-pitch combination in the whole draft and this is a draft with the best pitching class in many years but that so yeah two-pitch combination amazing but that does not mean that he's a two-pitch pitcher Meyer also possesses a 55 great fading changeup that has shown flashes of becoming a plus pitch moving forward. I mean, I saw a video of of him just throwing same, the same batter, uh, fastball slider, changeup. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's nasty. So now you're thinking, okay, cool. He has electric stuff. Can he command it? Uh, Yeah, he can. He fills the strike zone and gets quality strikes, uh, especially with that slider. He can use it, to get a called strike or to wipe you out with crazy movement. Um, Additionally, he's one of the most athletic pitchers in the draft. His numbers in college are exactly as you imagine them, uh, 213 ERA, 11.37 K per nine, 0.93 whip, uh, with this shortened season uh, being absolute video game numbers. So, yeah, to sum it up, yes, only six feet tall, like Sixto Sanchez, but absolutely electric stuff. He can command his pitches, bulldog mentality on the mound, and we got him on an underslot deal. I think the Marlins did very well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's a guy that, I mean, coming into the draft, you know, most Marlins fans, including me, and, and maybe even a lot of other writers and everything, they thought that, that it had to be Asa Lacey, right? But mm-hmm. all along, Sveilic had this guy picked out. Why he had him picked out? Asa was going to command an overslot uh, price tag. He probably still will getting drafted where he was. He will probably still make over where he was drafted. Uh, Meyer is a guy who's going to make under, definitely under the third ranked slot value. Uh, With that saved money, the Marlins will use it on their second round pick, will be a high schooler, uh, which we will get to. Um, But they definitely, like I said before, they had a plan going into this draft and they definitely had Meyer picked out. I even heard a report somewhere where they even had a phone call with him beforehand saying that they were going to pick him before it was even official because they didn't think anybody else was going to jump over them and get Meyer. And they didn't. Yeah, so see, yeah, I think
1: his, his brother. Yeah, exactly. His brother had a, his, the hat already in his hand is ready to give yeah. it to him. So yeah. I believe. You yeah.
0: Do. So, so it was definitely a sure thing going with Meyer, even before the draft started, even before Manfred got on that mic, you know, it, probably even well before that, maybe even a couple days before the Mar- the Marlins wanted this guy. This is the guy they wanted with the third overall pick. Daniel gave you the why. The stuff is absolutely disgusting, especially that slider. It's one of the best pitches in the draft. He can place it on the back foot. He can bury it on the lower half. He can place it even inside the strike zone for strikes. And, and co- collegiate guys just just didn't stand a chance. It's a ridiculous pitch. It's deadly. It's going to live up to a very, very high value in the major leagues. It's a very good pitch, and, and it's, 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 you just can't say enough about it. Uh, the, the Velo, as Daniel also said, is there. It sits 97. He could ramp it up to triple digits, like Daniel said, even up to 102, which from a six foot nothing guy, that's not something you hear about. Um, the no. question for me, and Daniel mentioned it, uh, how can the arm hold up? Like I said, he's a six foot nothing kid. Uh, you know, he doesn't throw downhill, he does throw high stress, he did throw only the 15 games in college, but still has room to grow. I mean, I I don't see him going much past where his height is, but he's another type like six, Sanchez. Who's one of these guys that just has electric lights out stuff on the mound. As long as the health, the health holds up. This is a guy who's one of the nastiest pitchers in the draft. Again, we got him for a bargain well below the slot value. Use the saved money to get somebody that could live up to, you know, similar expectations. So you know, it, it's a it's a it's a uh, quantity over quality uh type signing for the Marlins, getting uh Meyer over Asa Lacy. Um like I said, definitely some strategy into it. Um into why they picked this guy and where they went. Uh brings a ton to the table, just needs to prove that he can stay healthy through the inning strain, which I do think he can, and Daniel does so as well. So um if he can and if he proves that unquestioned Ace in the future. Um, I think it'll be probably, uh, you know, a, a start off. It, people always ask me where, where he's going to start. Uh, I think this guy probably at his age probably starts uh, in single A uh, full season ball. Uh, they take it slow with him, maybe putting on an innings limit uh, just because they want to build the arm up to that, uh, to that potential of being a starter. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Max Meyer, you see this stuff and it, y- your mouth just drops open. He's ridiculous. And I'm very excited. About the possibility of a Brax Max and Dax combination <laughs> in the rotation, how can you argue Love with it. that, right? I Love it. All right. So, uh, we're, we're go- with that said, <laughs> we mentioned Dax. We're go- we're going to the uh, to the second guy who's going to enter the uh, the top twenty uh, on our list uh, immediately out of the draft. Uh, Daxton Fulton, uh, high school kid. Uh, you know. Uh, one of the highest rated high schoolers in the draft probably would have gone higher than this, if not for Tommy John surgery, but Svelyk and Hill, they definitely had a target on this guy. Like I've always already said, they saved the money off of the first rounder, which they got with Meyer. Uh, he's going to sign sign under slot value if he didn't already, and we just haven't heard, but he's going to sign sign under the slot value where he was, uh, with that saved money. This is where the money is going to be spent. It's going to be spent on Daxton Fulton. Uh, if you know the draft, you know, high schoolers always sign over slot value. And this guy's going to do the same thing uh, to take them away from the college commitment. Uh, looking at Daxton, it's very easy to see why the Marlins like them uh, rated the top consensus lefty pick in the draft uh, prep pick in the draft, I should say, uh, despite already going through, like I said, the Tommy John surgery, he's six, six to 20 folks. He's 18 years old. Okay. Um, he's already <laughs> using the size. Well, he shows the knowledge for his body, turning the hips into his pitches, uh, has the downhill, uh, very downhill uh, 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 arm slot and delivery advantageously. Uh, that's probably his best mechanic for me is his ability uh, with a short stride to the plate from the high three-quarter slot. Uh, good present velo, 90 to 94. Room to move for that for sure as he gets under pro coaching. Um, creates the velo separation that I always talk about. You guys know that by now with the uh, 75 to 78 mile left per hour curve. Good shape plus depth to it, late downward bite, uh, 12-6 pitch. Masks it good with the arm speed. uh, Does put a little more effort into the fastball, which he'll need to clean that up a little bit uh, against pro hitters so he doesn't tip. But uh, it's it's already deceptive. Uh, You know, high scorers couldn't touch him. Uh, Collegiate hitters probably wouldn't have been able to touch him. Uh, He's hard to pick up out of the hand because of the size and the moving parts. Um, Great feel for both the fastball and curveball uh change 86 88 uh according to reports the spin rates already mlb grade uh needs a bit more time developing the feel for that pitch i will say uh but almost every scouting report is in agreement that for a guy his size he does a great job repeating his delivery uh arm speed with all three pitches is pretty much the same like i said puts a little more effort into the fastball but he can clean that up uh like i said knows the body uh and uh, knows how to use his body uh, very advantageously in in many different ways. So very, very far ahead for an 18-year-old kid, especially considering he missed time with the TJ. Um, Is the new head of the class when it comes to Marlins high school picks. I think he jumps Evan Federer. We have him rated as the 16th uh, best uh, pick or – I'm sorry, best uh, prospect in the pool right now, which is over Evan Evan Federer. The pool money was well spent here. Uh, like I said, Brax, Max, and Dax—that's what you got to look forward to in the future, and he's part of it.
1: What I really love about him is that the reason—the reason that he was picked so high—is in his fastball. Like you get a lot with these high school kids, like Kolick, for example. Yep. No, the fastball—it's you know—it's in the uh, low to mid nineties, and it will mature. That'll come. I mean, his frame is so projectable. Okay. Now, the reason that at eight is that at 18 he already has one amazingly developed uh, secondary with his, his curveball you mentioned it, it looks nasty um I read that he can already manipulate its break he made Zach Bean look silly <laughs> at the perfect game all-american classic with three of those bad boys in a row um it's crazy it's a nasty curveball um and his changeup, while not as the level of the curveball is also pretty well developed it still obviously has a long way to go so it you know I mentioned Kolek no this is the complete opposite even though he has the similar frame um, this is more towards Braxton Garrett when he was drafted with those beautiful secondaries like that curveball yeah so so I I mean that's what, what I do love he did have Tommy John surgery as you mentioned in September which means that he should be ready to to get back to it in March 2021 which I love you know next season and he's ready to go um he's not going to be at 16 for long either you know he, we put him there because we just couldn't put him above guys like Burdick, Gerard Encarnacion, you know, Connor Scott yet that's how good our farm system is um anywhere else he's easily in the top 10.
0: Yeah I, I mean uh, going back to the TJ uh, Daniel it, it, this is really an interesting development for me in, in baseball and, and in scouting baseball, and, and how, how especially the Marlins system has gone uh, with guys that have, gone un, have undergone this, uh, especially in recent drafts. Um, you know, there, there was a time in, in baseball, I'm sure you remember, that, that TJ was pretty much the death sentence for pitchers. And, and now mm-hmm. you look at this Marlins system, like I said, for proof, how many picks have we had that have undergone TJ, and they've come back to be not only quality prospects, but in some ways quality players, even at the major league level. I think you have another guy here in Fulton. Um, like we said, he hasn't pitched since the surgery, probably not coming back till next year, um, which probably isn't going to matter anyways. So he's probably not going to come back till 2021. Um, even if he struggles out of the gate, making the jump to pro ball, having not pitched since high school, it's not really a big deal as he builds back his arm strength. Tons of time, the youth is on his side. He shows the three pitchers already. Like I said, this is great money spent. Uh, great money saved in getting Meyer, who's not far away from a sure thing, and very good money spent on a high schooler who, like we said, the best lefty prep in the draft. So you can't argue with that. Uh, I mean, this, this was a solid strategy by Svelek. I know in some circles it was unpopular, but I really, really like this draft strategy by Svelek, saving the money on Lacey, going to Meyer, and, uh, and getting this kid here in the second round.
1: Agreed. Um,
0: Yeah, so uh, with that said, uh, we want to mention a little bit on the rest of the draft. We're not going to spend too terribly long on it. Uh, Daniel, I know you have a couple things on our third-round pick. Uh, Kyle Nicholas. Uh, I'll let you go ahead on him.
1: Yeah, this guy was the uh, uh, compensation pick. Um, 6'4", 225 pounds out of Ball State. So just like Max Meyer, uh, Nicholas is one of the best fastballs in the draft, sitting in the mid-90s and reaching 100 as well. One of the fastest fastballs in the in the draft his slider though while not as amazing as Meyer, is still a plus pitch in the high 80s with a sharp break um he also possesses an average curveball and a passable changeup up that, that Miami would need to further develop uh, uh biggest question mark is his control um, during his first two seasons in college it was hard to hit him but he gave up way too many walks um this really started changing um this, this season. He came back for his junior season with a simplified delivery and the results speak for themselves. Um, while it is a small sample size, obviously, and four stars, he struck out 37 in 23 innings and only walked seven, um, which is a big change from those first two seasons. So the Marlins liked what they saw and, and they took him. I would say Nicholas has a, probably a number three starter ceiling with a high-end reliever floor due to that amazing fastball slider combination yeah if for the sure. real nicholas is the one that was seen exactly if the real one is the one who was seen during during his junior season
0: get excited miami yeah for sure um like you said the fastball the fastball slider is ridiculous on him um it's a guy who developed a much bigger feel for that pitch last year uh and during his showing in the cape uh that really helped helped out his draft stock uh that 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 uh showing in the cape that he had which was really good um, I will say on him that uh, from what I've seen, the command isn't really his strongest suit. Uh, he'll need to work that out as he progresses through the minors, but a lot of time. Um, he did do better, I will say from what I've seen in red and going through stat lines, he did a lot better in limited showings uh, you know as, as a collegiate player. So you want you want to see that ceiling as a future starter and that's definitely where he could go based off of what Daniels has said. but even if he doesn't get there, definitely a usable piece in the bullpen uh, as a third round pick you like it um we'll see where it goes uh that it kind of a couple question marks around him but can he you know can he build that third pitch uh can he improve the command stuff like that but you like the size uh you know third round pick uh you know yeah it could go either way but we'll hope for the best with him but uh yeah uh definitely showing some stuff already
1: now, um, we, we haven't decided uh, you know we want to see more we haven't decided where we would rank Kyle um but i would say that he'd be right in mid-20s maybe yep. yeah the other system probably low fitter we'd have to we have to keep seeing see what he brings to the table but that's that's what i'd project but nothing official
0: <laughs> yeah we're not putting an official ranking to any of these uh these uh later draft guys um you know we got to see more we've only seen videos exactly. and everything else so you know we, we got to kind of kind of see a little bit more than we've seen already especially considering what's going on. So no official ranking for these guys but we do want to go through them real quickly especially these last three guys uh that we got in the draft. Uh the 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 last three pitchers that the Marlins got starting with zach McCambly. Uh he, he's a righty out of Costa Carolina. The he has a great curveball. This guy's curveball is definitely his best pitch. Uh Velo on the fastball 92-94, another guy who needs to build which is what is really a very nascent changeup. Uh, definitely needs a third pitch to make it as a starter. Uh, he has the limited size, just like Meyer. He's only one. this guy. Um, I think it makes him better suitor for relief, given that he's only showing two pitches. But with him, we'll see what happens. Uh, Daniel, anything on him?
1: Yeah, he killed it. He really, really killed it last year in the Cape uh, with a 174 ERA over 20 innings. Um, and then started his junior season the same way, 180-RA with 32 strikeouts over 25 innings. So, again, Marlins liked what they saw there.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the fourth rounder is Jake Eder, Uh, a Vanderbilt kid. 90-95 uh, Velo. Uh, he's filling out his curveball. It can flash plus at times uh, when he's at his best. Uh, another guy who needs to develop the third pitch changeup. This is not something that's uncommon for guys that are coming out of a draft, be it high school or college or whatever. Um, another guy like McCambly for me, who's, you know, uh, the command can waver a little bit. Um, he's got good size. Uh, another guy that had a good showing in the Cape. He's a high floor lower ceiling guy for me. Um, I would say he probably winds up in the bullpen. Uh, Daniel, what do you got on him? Oh,
1: so I would say the same as you. Um, a few platforms have had him even higher than, than, than McCambly and Nicholas. So I think pipeline did. Um, so, I mean, we, we need to check few of these guys do need to de- develop that changeup but i absolutely trust our our development team in miami i mean we really do have the best
0: yeah for sure it's hard to argue with fay like i i put out the hashtag on twitter a little while ago in dj we trust so yeah yeah, yeah. Between, definitely between love between DJ. Him,
1: exactly between him um denbo and uh uh i mean we have an amazing team yeah, and that, that's, that's where these
0: guys are going. They're going right up. They're, they're going right oh, under yeah. the tutelage of those guys. So uh, especially Mel Stottlemyre, which is uh, they also have great minor league pitching coaches too. Uh, you know, definite definitely a great part. Uh, a def- definitely a great system for any young guy to be a part of, and a reason why guys want to sign here, which I've mentioned in the past. Uh, the fifth rounder, we'll get to him, Kyle Hurt. Uh, don't know a lot about this guy yet. There's not much out on him. Um, what I've read, he flashes uh, four pitches possibly. Uh, but he doesn't have much of a feel for the later two of them. Uh, he was primed uh, for a telltale senior season. Uh, you know, scouts were really going to put a lot of stock into that senior season in college uh, before, he, before the shutdown. So the Marlins are taking a bit of a chance here. It's a low risk, high reward kind of a thing in the fifth round. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's pretty much all I have on him.
1: Yeah, everything I heard is just a complete enigma. Um, He has awesome stuff, but the results have not been there at all. Uh, Not really good stats in college. So let's see if Miami can um, find what they need from him and and really um, get him going.
0: Yeah, and and I'll have more on these guys coming out uh, in the coming week. I'm putting together a full post-draft piece uh, for the website. So uh, if you're interested in in these later picks uh, and what they bring, um, I'll have some more stuff out on them, uh, as I do more research, uh, out on the site, uh, here, uh, in the coming week. Uh, so with that out of the way, drafts out of the way, I know everybody's talking about it. We don't want to spend too much time. We want to get back into our list. Uh, we left off at 36, but with the inclusions of Meyer and Dax into our list, we go to 38. Uh, Daniel's up first with our number 38 prospect in our top 100 rank, uh, prospect rankings list. Daniel, go ahead.
1: All right. Left-handed pitcher, Will Stewart. He arrived, um, well, he was drafted out of high school in 2015 as 20th rounder by the Phillies um, and then traded to Miami in the JT Realmuto trade as this third piece uh, with Alfaro and uh, Sixto being those first two pieces. He's 22 years old. So Stewart is a tricky prospect to analyze. Um, He had an outstanding 2018 um, in single A. Um, That was the year he was traded, but, he absolutely regressed in 2019 when promoted to high A already in, in the Marlin system with a 543 ERA, 138 whip. Um, he is seen as a ground ball specialist with a moving fastball who throws strikes. Um, so while he can throw his secondary offerings, a slider and the changeup for strikes, they are just simply average at this point. Not much strikeout potential. His caper nine has actually been decreasing every year. Uh, last year it was at six, uh, 6.6 per nine before the trade he was touching 94 but in his first season in Miami his his fastball below is down to 89 to 91 he was left unprotected and unselected for the rule five draft maybe Miami's disappointment uh, last year they, they didn't protect him they protected Humberto Mejia but they didn't they didn't protect him and he did go unselected so let's hope for a bounce-back season because pretty much every other starter in our farm system is trending upwards. He's probably starting at double A, I would say, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, repeats high A
0: to start this season. Yeah, th- this is an interesting guy. and Like you said, a hard guy to, to, to gauge right now. Um, you know, you look at the reports and you look at where he was a year previous to where he was last year. Um, he, he did drop Velo off of his fastball. So he's a guy who's really – he went from, I think, from about 94 down to, like, barely above 90. So he's a guy who rarely touches Mm -hmm. 90, 91 with the fastball. Um, It's a guy who's learning how to pitch to contact. I mean, before, in years previous, he could blow pitches by guys. I mean, the fastball had enough movement that he could garner a lot of swings and misses. But now, with the the velo being where it is, um, he's definitely a two-contact type guy. Uh, So he's learning how to pitch in that regard. Uh, he did really struggle doing so last year with the Hammerheads, like uh, like Daniel said. Marlins didn't protect him. He's still here, uh, so yeah. Um, if he can really learn to command that lower half of the zone and learn to be that really really ex- like exclusive two contact pitcher, then I think Will Stewart has a a room to grow as a back end rotation piece. Uh, we'll see what happens next year. It's definitely going to be be a big year for him. Um, but I, I, think given the pedigree and given where he was as a prospect, despite the velo drop, I think he could bounce back. Uh, like I said, we'll see what happens. Um, he'll probably get pushed up to double a next year. So he's facing better competition. But like I said, Stuart, a guy that you just wait and see what happens. Uh, you hope for the best, but at the very least he has a bullpen floor. Uh, we're going to 39. I got him, Matt given. This guy's a really, really cool story. A lesser known modest prospect. Um, not a lot of people know about him because he missed a full season. I uh, haven't seen a lot out of him yet in the Marlins uniform, but he's a really, really cool story. Uh, he's a 20th round pick out of 2017 uh, out of his high school in Colorado. He spent the first three years uh, of that of his uh, uh, prep career, I should say amateur career, as an infielder and only really moonlighted as a pitcher, uh, but started focusing on pitching uh, in his senior year. He got some advice from Pro Scouts to do so at a showcase. Fish Stripes had this story. Our buddies at Fish Stripes, we love them, Eli and co. Uh, They had the story in an interview with him not too long ago about how he was flown out to Marlins Park while the Marlins were playing, I believe it was the Pirates in Pittsburgh, to pitch for the organization and a couple of others at a showcase a few weeks before the draft. Days later, a couple days later, I should say, Miami selected him and eventually signed him away from his college commitment to Xavier University. Uh, He had been devoting himself to pitching full-time for only a few months. So a guy that you see as an infielder Obviously, scouts and that, obviously that scout or a few scouts that he talked to saw the arm strength and apparently footwork mechanics or some kind of scouting that's probably above my grade um, to, to see in a shortstop, other than the arm strength, to be a, 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 a future starting pitcher. Um, what stood out to the Marlins, I will say, was the quick rise in maturity and the craftiness for the, for the craftiness of pitching in such a short period of time. Uh, in his single uh, senior season alone in high school, uh, he put five miles an hour worth of velocity on his fastball and developed two breaking pitches. Not only one pitch, but two breaking pitches, including a slurve and a changeup. Uh, that was what was on full display during that showcase in Miami, and that's why he's a Marlin. Uh, so, like I said, a really fun story about a guy that did a complete 180 going from being a shortstop or a third baseman, a middle infielder to corner infielder, uh, within the span of just a couple months and his whole life got turned on its head. This guy was planning to go to college for all four years, uh, per his own words. Uh, and now he's in a major league organization. Uh, like I said, uh, he did uh, have a lot of that work with the arm take a toll on his arm. Um, and in 2018, uh, he had Tommy John surgery. Uh, he missed that entire season and missed uh, most of last season as well. So like I said, a guy that we haven't seen a lot from yet and a name that guys don't know, a lot of fans don't know, of, I should say because of that fact. Um so like I said, he's gone from the college commitment uh as an infielder to being drafted as a pitcher out of high school, and now he has Tom and John surgery all within the course of a year and a half. Um so what's going on inside this guy's mind, who knows, but (laughs) it's gotta be a whirlwind. But I will say he was still (laughs) able to get back on the mound in August of last season. He got into ten G C L games. Um, so there's definitely a lot to say about his level of focus and his want to succeed. Um He's got a good pitcher sprain. He's 6'3", 180. He's got room to add more to that. Delivery is simple. He's got mid to high leg kick, full arm circle. Release point uh, is good. A flick of the wrist on his release, which is really what adds the deception for me. Um, he doesn't really throw downhill because of that high release point, like I said, but he attacks the lower half well. It's a good downward plane. Um, stuff is similar to where it was before the surgery. Uh, he tops at 92, like I said, downward plane. Uh the slurve is a nasty pitch for him. Top six seventy-seven, 77, a bit of loop to it. Um, could use to tighten up the break a little bit. Um, it's a third pitch for him, uh, you know, next to the fastball and changeup, but it is still a good pitch for him. Uh, the best pitch I will say is the changeup because of the break back to his glove side. Uh, it's a nasty pitch. Got the two plane break. Like I said, fades back to the glove side and garners a lot of swings and misses. So like I said, uh, Throws it from the uh, throws all of his stuff from the exact same arm angle every time. Uh, high release point makes it indistinguishable for uh, hitters to pick up on. Still just 19. Good strike zone knowledge. Good feel for pitching. With more consistent command, uh, I I, th- I think he's a big player in the future for this Marlins organization at the back end of a rotation.
1: Man, I'm really happy you got given. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> happy you got he got his. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I did know this story. I, I did know it. I did read that Fish Stripes uh, piece. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, I did want to add. So he is a, t- a 20th rounder, rounder, as you mentioned. Um, but unlike Stewart, he was signed for third or fourth round money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was deep in the draft, but um, he, he was given a big bonus. Uh, Stewart wasn't. Um, so that's also good to know. So it is a high pedigree. You know, it's not like some guy who they just got in the 20th rounder. This guy is probably would have gone third, fourth, uh, but because of signability, um, they got him in the 20th.
0: Yeah. And another another guy, another guy who real quick, Daniel, another guy who joins that crop of of TJ recipients, uh, which has been added to since the draft, Uh, you know, Garrett Holloway Rogers, Uh, Mm -hmm. another TJ recipient in this Marlins uh, prospect pool. That appears here within our top what forty pitch, forty prospects. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely becoming a thing of the past that TJ is the end of your career. Uh, definitely want to put an explanation point exclamation point on that because it's definitely a big thing for me, and I'm sure it will be for a lot of old-time baseball fans that uh, have followed the health of starting pitchers. Anyways,
1: going to number four. Completely, yeah, completely agreed. Yeah, completely agree. And there's gonna be another one. I don't know if we're gonna get him today or next episode, but there's gonna be another one, another pitcher really close here who also had Tommy yeah. John. Yep. yep. Um, All right. Number 40 is the great Luis Palacios. Um, Signed as an international amateur amateur out of Venezuela in 2016. I wasn't able to get my hands on his signing bonus. um, So I would assume that it wasn't considerable. 19 years old turns 20 in July. Um, So the curious case of Luis Palacios. Uh, This is a kid who has played his whole career like uh, Cy Young in the lower levels. Um, even though his stuff is not widely celebrated, I've heard, uh, deferring accounts about his VLO. Some say high eighties, others say low nineties. I've also heard that his secondaries aren't really special either. Uh, but he somehow still has video game numbers the last two seasons in the DSL and the GCL. So we're talking sub 1.00 ERA, 0.62 whip. 160 average against um, I believe what makes him special is his control and pinpoint command only six walks in 104 innings uh, the last two seasons and two home runs allowed a fan graph says that not many scouts love him because his stuff is just okay and not that projectable so he's not his body is also not that projectable so I met him in uh, spring training 2018 he, this was the first time he ever got side. And I was sitting beside him. I didn't know who he was. I, I pretty, I didn't know his face. You know, I, I just heard about him, about Palacios. So I'm sitting right there beside him. We're watching a game for another, you know, our minors, minors guys playing. And I say something to him in English and he looks at me and just ignores me. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what, what's going on here? And I started talking to Devers or to somebody else in Spanish. And immediately he like, you know, he gets back to himself and, you know, he's talking and telling jokes and everything it goes, you know, it says a lot about that cultural trauma. This is a, you know, that, at that point, 18 year old kid is scared, you know, this guy is talking to me in English. I don't know a word, um, which is something the Marlins are working hard on, uh, just uh, trying to bridge that, that um, the, the 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 cultures. So that's a really quick, cool story. He's a nice young man. You know, we talked for a while. He's pretty, I'm really excited about what he can bring. Um, Something to keep in mind with Palacios. He was signed in 2016. That means that this year he is eligible for the Rule of Five draft. Mm-hmm. So what are the Marlies going to do? You know, they haven't seen him above the GCL. They'll at least have to protect him from the A portion of the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does worry me a bit. Um, the Marlies have been extremely conservative with Palacios. They need him, him to, you know, they need to put him in higher levels to see what they actually have in him. Mm-hmm. I expect him and hope to see him start next season in full season single, you know, mm-hmm. I really want to see what he can bring because I, with this season canceled, GCL is the highest that we've seen him.
0: Yeah. And a guy who I think you will see him at a higher level next year, just based off of this one fact alone, you, you mentioned the GCL last year in the GCL, 10 games, 40 innings pitched, 1.12 ERA, 42 strikeouts and two. Yes, that is a correct <laughs> statement. Two walks, so and again, this has been a theme I mean, for him wow, his whole career.
1: It's crazy, it really is.
0: Yeah, this has been a theme for him his whole career. He was playing against guys older than him at this level in the GCL, two and a half years older than him, and he's striking out forty-two and walking two. So I definitely think you see him at a higher level this year. Uh, probably Clinton, potentially the Hammerheads. We'll see what happens. Um, already hitting ninety-five with the fastball, with insane run on that pitch. Uh, fading change up at 88-90, the power slider at 86-88. This is a kid, still just, just a kid, as Daniel mentioned, who is really, really showing an advanced field for pitching. Um, he mixes speeds, quick worker, quick to the plate, uh, works the whole strike zone. He can get extremely nasty hitting corners. Um, there is a long way to go for him just based off of the age level, but a guy who I think could rise quickly through the minor league ranks just based off where the stuff's at. So yeah, definitely Palacios. Uh, a telling year like Daniel mentioned coming up for him. Got to protect him from the Rule Five. Uh, you know, it, you know if he if he comes up to full season ball and the arm starts falling off, do the Marlins protect him? You know, you got to kind of take that into account based off of everything that we have in the system and everything that we have coming up Rule Five eligible. But um, given the track record, I really like Luis. I think he's going to be around for a while. Uh, that said, we're going to 41 at Chris Machma. Chris Machma is a 12th rounder last year out of high school in Michigan. Uh, agreed to his contract literally two minutes before the signing deadline. And he signed for 557K. Uh, a draft rule states, and this is a big thing for me on Machma, draft rule states that any signing from 11th round or later that goes over $125,000 will have the difference counted against the team's bonus pool. So the rest of Machma's contract that exceeds $125,000 is $487,000, which will also include a 75% luxury tax. Um, so is that loss worth Chris Machma and what he brings? The Marlins think so. They think this is that this guy is worth it. Uh, any variable could be. He's a 6'4", 200-pound guy, 90 to 93 on the heat. Uh, good tailing action to it. Uh, has a changeup in a slider. Both intriguing uh, pitches, both plus pitches for him, I will say, uh, that proved pretty much unhittable for high schoolers. Uh, because of how much he took off of them next to the fastball. Again, I talk about, I will say it again and again and again, it's a huge thing for me, the separation of velocity. Uh, Both pitches, they hold future grades of 55. They sit in the low 80s. Uh, At the pro level, that kind of stuff will make him a viable two-contact ground ball type guy. Uh, There's a long way to go for him as well. Again, a high schooler, lots of filling out to do. Already has projectable size though, clean delivery. Uh, Good feel for the pitching craft. Um, Pitching is in his blood. Uh, brother and his dad both pitched. So, like I said, I always love uh, looking at the pedigree when it comes to high schoolers. Uh, so, if the Marlins were going to gamble away some pool money, uh, this was a good bet to do it with.
1: I agree. Um, same thing here. You know, the, the pedigree is amazing. A 12th rounder by the Marlins, but his bonus, again, same as, as <clears throat> we're talking about uh, Matt Given, equivalent to a third rounder. To give you an idea of how high the Marlins are in Magma, they gave him. They gave Machma more money than they gave Burdick, yeah. <clears throat> who was selected in the third round. Yep. So yeah, I mean, really high on, on on this kid as well. We just need to see him
0: play, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, he's definitely got to live up to that gamble away in uh whole money. But they saw enough in Machma to uh, give him that kind of signing bonus to give away some of that money. So, uh, we'll see if uh what they see comes to fruition. Uh, but we're going to forty two for you, Daniel. Right,
1: middle infielder Chris Torres at uh, number 42, signed as an international uh, amateur out of the DR in 2014 by the Mariners for $375,000, came to Miami in the D Gordon trade as well, which means that the three players that came in that trade are still in our top 40. Um, So 22 years old, he'll be that age for all of 2020 and a switch hitter. Chris Torres, he's an athletic player who came pretty highly regarded in the D. Gordon trade. I would say that he is a 60-run, 60 60-arm 60 guy. Um, his bad plays, very solid season in 2017 and 2018, um, with a 160 and 132 WRC+, plus respectively. Um, but he unfortunately regressed in 2019. By the way, quick parentheses. If you're wondering what I mean when I say weighted runs created plus or WRC+, plus, It's a stat that measures your offensive ability, but also adjusts it to important external factors, such as um, in what stadium or league you play in. So uh, 100 WRC plus is average. So 90 is a bit below average and 110 is a bit above average. To give you a couple of examples in our system, Victor Victor Meza had a 59 WRC plus last season and Burdick had a 173 WRC plus. Yeah, that's a season right there. So back to Chris Torres. He's a switch hitter who is better from the left side. No home run power right now, but enough gap power uh, for now. One of his problems is that he's an absolute error machine. I mean, last season was crazy. He committed 39 errors, um, which I think has to be some kind of record. So grouped with the mediocre offensive um, year, it was a bit disappointing. So... look for him to begin next season, probably in high A.
0: Yeah. uh, Torres for me, uh, he's been around for a little while. Uh, He's a little lanky kid, 5'11", 170. Uh, He does switch hit, like you said, the D Gordon trade. Um, And like you said, impressive that all three of these guys are still around (laughs) in in our top uh, 45, I should say, uh, on this list. Um, That's right. You know, he he did a lot last season from the right side for me. He really improved uh, from that side of the plate. Uh, Despite limited size, he's already like Daniel mentioned, he's already can show he can hit for power and hit gaps. Um, You know, but he'll, he'll really need to prove it at the upper levels and he'll really need to improve defensively. He was, he did come in as what was thought to be a pretty, a pretty good uh, defensive player. He just really did has not shown it yet. Uh, But he plays both middle infield spots, um, probably more suited for second base than shortstop because of an inaccurate arm, uh, which caused a lot of his errors. Um, He's already 22, never snipped a high A. Uh, he's going to be pushed pretty hard whenever MILB gets back going. Um, but uh, still has the potential for, for a lot of tools uh, and shows a lot of tools and has shown a lot of tools. So uh, middle infielder who can hit for power, uh, you know, he's quick enough to disrupt on the base, path, on the base paths. So uh, like I said, bigger upcoming. But um, if he can continue to remain healthy uh, and hit against better stuff, there's room to grow for him and room to go for him. Uh, We're going to 43, I have it, Bryson Brigman. Uh, Bryson Brigman is another return piece from the Mariner system, uh, like Taurus. Um, From that same time frame, he was a 2016 third rounder, signed for 700K, top 30 prospect for them in 2017, joined the Marlins in 2018 at the deadline in exchange for Cameron Maben in the midst of a really good season for him in high A. He was hitting 304, 373, 391 when the Marlins got him. So, uh, yeah, definitely got it. The Marlins uh, cherry picked from that system. Uh, he did well in a 12 game showing in double A to kick off his Miami career. Uh, started back there last season. Didn't do too terribly, but regressed uh, a little bit uh, uh, over a full slate worth of games at that level 253, 337, uh, 326. I should say regular time at that level, excuse me, because he got sent back to Jupiter uh, 20 games midseason. Uh, he did come back up at the end of the season. So, got in almost a full season at double a did get sent back down for a little while because of the regression, but uh, he's not a guy who does not one thing great, but does a lot of things, uh, a lot of little things and a lot, you know, just, just does a lot of, a lot of stuff above replacement level. doesn't do, you know, doesn't have the standout power. Doesn't have the standout contact. Doesn't have this really standout defense tool, but he does everything above average. Uh, He's that kind of guy. That's just solid. Um, he doesn't have much power, but he also doesn't swing and miss a lot. Career K rates under 15%. He can find gaps. Um, he's a slash and hack type guy. Uh, you know, finds contact more often than not. He frustrates hitters with basically a lot of strike zone knowledge and plate vision and forces guys into making mistakes. Uh, he'll gladly take a walk as well. Uh, like I said, he can play both middle infield spots. Uh, but like, uh, again, like Torres, uh, he has better footwork and better reads at second base. So I think that's where his future is. Uh, average speed, doesn't steal a lot of bases. Um, he can challenge outfielders and turn base sets into extra bases, though, uh, on uh, what would be singles for other guys. He can turn it into a double. Um, you really like the peripherals on a guy like this as an advanced plate discipline and the ability to make contact, like I said, more often than not. Uh, the question will be, Is he can he make harder contact as he fills out, uh, get a better line drive rate, stuff like that. Uh, that's the stuff you really look like at for a guy like Bryson Brigman. Um, he's uh, 24. Uh, you know, with uh, with just 98 pretty much average games at the AA level, gonna limit the ceiling here to a future utility role kind of guy uh, who would fit that would pretty much fit his skill set as the good but not great kind of guy. Uh, but like I said, if he finds more barrels, able to bring the line drive rate up and breaks out in the upper minors next season, probably AAA, um, he could be potentially more. But, but like I said, an- another one of those guys on our list that's kind of a wait and see as to what where he's going to go with the Marlins organization.
1: Agreed. Um, he was stealing 15 to 20 bases before this season. He stole only four 2019. Um, I had high hopes for him coming off his 2018 18 season, as you um, mentioned, where he did produce that 765 OPS, 113 WRC+. But uh, he really had a dreadful start uh, to 2019 and was demoted and then brought back. But uh, let's see what, what a 2021 brings for him.
0: Yeah, All right, for sure. let's uh, so going to 44. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, let's continue here. Number 44, it has got a reliever, right-handed pitching reliever, Tyler Stevens. Uh, drafted in the 18th round in, 2018, in 2017 by the Angels and came to Miami in 2018 trade <clears throat> during the offseason for Dylan Peters. He's 24 years old. I'd say that he was a pretty, ended up being a pretty great piece coming back in the Peters trade um, who had recently been uh, DFA'd. Similar to the situation with Austin Dean and the burgos um you know where you don't expect um really good return, but he's he's been pretty good for the Marlins. I was reviewing some video on him um by the way he's getting up there in the in the belly area listed at six six uh feet <laughs> two hundred and fifteen pounds um, very good stuff just solid three pitch combination um high uh, velo fastball, wipeout slider. And he also does sprinkles in a, a changeup in there as a reliever. So I did like that. He does use three pitches. Um, and both 18 and 19 was amazing I mean, in high A and double A, but absolutely obliterated in triple A. So it happened in both seasons. Um, he played three levels in both seasons. And in both seasons, amazing single A and double A, but obliterated in triple A. Um, he does need to work on some kinks with allowing too many home runs sometimes loses control, um, but but this is a guy I see getting some MLB time in 2021. He should start in AAA, I'd say, in 2021, but if he keeps showing that stuff, um, I do see him as a possible Marlon moving forward.
0: Yeah, Daniel, this is an interesting guy for me. Uh, like you said, uh, a return for Dylan Peters, who was DFA. Uh, if you know the DFA process, the there's a weak grace period between Uh, The DFA, when a player gets DFA'd, and uh, between where they either have to waive the player, release him, or trade him. And this was a rare case where the guy gets traded. Obviously, the Angels saw something in Dylan Peters, who has been absolutely terrible at the major league level for them, by the way, I will say. Uh, So, yeah, uh, to get anything back for a guy like Dylan Peters, who was once a top prospect, who has turned into not much. Like I said, he's been awful for the Angels. So they saw something in him. I will say Peters did take a little bit of a velo jump. That's probably what they saw in him. But, yeah, to get anything back for a guy like Dylan Peters, uh, and for it to, especially for it to turn into somebody like Stevens, uh, like you said, he's got the big build. He's only six foot, like 220. Uh, but, but the delivery is pretty smooth. Um, you know, he's got a quick arm motion, a um, lot of deception in it. Uh, he doesn't even drop his arm a third of the way down into a circle before coming pretty much over the top. So a definite unique look and a great change of pace going from, you know, the atypical starter with the half the full arm circle to a guy that pretty much just comes straight home. Like I said, there's literally no arm circle to this guy. So a lot of deception in the mechanics to, to uh, Tyler Stevens. Um, he throws a fastball, like you said, 90, 93, 94, um, and then the slow curveball. So, you know, like I said, mid-70s. Uh, so, yeah. And then he's got what I think is his best pitch, which is the splitter. Uh, really sharp late downward action to this pitch. Um, it could pretty much come straight at you like a fastball, and it just falls off the table. So it's a great pitch for him. Uh, like Beautiful. you said, it's a three-pitch pitcher. Um, the you know you said it's a changeup. I think it's more of a split piece. Uh, you know I, I think they they could probably both blend into one another, but they make a really good pitch for him. Um, goes low and even out of the zone for swings and misses. So you know like he said, he can struggle with his command at times. And he can get hittable, but He's he's definitely a contributory piece to a uh, future major league bullpen, and to get that back for a guy that we DFA'd, that's huge. So uh, good research there by the Marlins, and uh, definitely took what they could get, in, um, in uh, trading away Dylan Peters for whatever whatever they could get, and turns out they got a guy that's pretty damn good. <laughs> Going to forty five with uh, JD Orr, this is my guy. Um, teammates with our number fifteen prospect Peyton Burdick and his best friend in college, and still now since they both went up on the same team. Uh, which is definitely big for both of them. Talking to both of them, they will say winding on the same team was huge. Uh, two sports standout, prep athlete, uh, set records in almost every hitting category in high school. Uh, like Peyton, did huge things for Wright State University. Um, and, uh, you know, they won the conference titles in three of their four years of these two players in that college. They won conference titles. Uh, in the Horizon League, I believe it's called. Uh, he was a 308, 418, 391. How could they career, not? that guys? Career, exactly. Career collegiate hitter. And here's the biggest part for me. 118 steals, including 60 in his senior season. And that includes one steal of home plate. So, that number is a school record at Wright State University. And here's another big part for me on the speed. He was only thrown out 27 times that's an 81% success rate stealing bases for JD he was labeled by his coach as one of the best base dealers in the country and the best base dealer he's ever seen he came to the marlins in the 10th round of last year's draft, uh signed for 2,500 uh yeah $2,500 signing bonus so uh yeah 10th rounder 2,500 bucks didn't cost much to get JD uh and a low pick but definitely a guy with special tools uh he went to Batavia having never played a single game with a wood bat, no summer ball in his collegiate career. And he hit 352, which was the second best uh, batting average in the league. He had the best on base percentage in the, in the uh, New York Penn league with 469. And his 423 slugging percentage, even though this isn't a slugging guy and a guy that we don't expect to hit for much power, he slugged 423, which is 12th best in the New York Penn league. And of course the most stolen bases with 29 um, league leading. Daniel mentioned the WRC plus league leading WRC Plus of 172 for J.D. Orr last year in the New York Penn League. Uh, Walked 44 times and struck out just 30 times. So yeah, not too shabby of a 64-game debut uh, in the pros for J.D. Orr. Um, We mentioned the 29 steals. He did get caught 17 times against pro-level batteries. Uh, But we should say that that will work itself out as he gets uh, acclimated to reading the jumps of these pro level pitchers better. So yeah, definitely the speed tool for JD is off the charts. Um, You know, you don't want to put too much into it because it's only one year in the New York Penn league. uh, And he was over a year older than his league average competition. So we'll need to see it happen at the higher levels for JD. That's why he's so far down on the list despite the great college career. Uh, But the, the ability to post immediate results at any level is impressive in pro ball. Uh, he's well built for his height, 185, only at 5'11. Uh, or told us himself, uh we interviewed him last year, that his approach is exclusively focused on putting the ball in play and getting out of the box, which he has a great first step out of the box. And from there he lets the speed do the rest. Um uh, it's 70 plus grade speed. It's absolutely insane. Uh college coaches really worked with him on repeating his hitting mechanics after he struggled with it in his junior year. Um he's got a short approach, he stays back on it well. Uh, lefty cut again, hack and slash here goes for singles more often than not, but he can still hit a gap or two as we saw last year in Batavia. Um, he's patient with good vision, just takes what he's given, uh, a heady guy who really, really wants to learn, uh, and has learned a lot already in the Marlins organization. And he's completely capable of coming by hits in many ways, whether it be by, like I said, finding a gap or beating out an infield grounder, lay down a bunt. Like I said, he's an absolute terror on the base pass. Uh, Again, one short season, not going to put too much stock into it. Um, if the health holds up, this is a guy who definitely pros out profiles for a center fielder at the big league level, uh, needs to navigate the plethora of Marlins outfield competition uh, coming up now and in future seasons. Uh, but with the speed that he has, um, you know, catalytic type guy, leadoff type ceiling, um, deeper down prospects, like I said, because of the 2018 struggles in the age. But I really like him, as you can tell by how much I talk about him. Uh, so, yeah, JDR. Definitely like him.
1: Amazing stuff, Alex. Um, quick note we got the most, uh, we got the guy with the most home runs in the country, uh, college season 2019 with Lede, and the guy with the most steals in the country with, with JDR. So, yep. tools, tools galore. Yep. Number 46, we have first baseman Evan Edwards. Um, he was also part of that amazing 2019 draft picked in the fourth round right after Burdick turns 23 this month that's June in case you're listening to this in December (laughs) or something Uh, lefty hitter Edwards has been seen uh, mostly as a hitter hitter over power guy which does not mean that he doesn't have pop Uh, 335 455 609 slash line in college during his senior season in North Carolina State he does have a sound defensive presence in, at first base, although he is a bit short for that position at six feet. Um, great. I really loved his first pro season in, in single A Clinton, 800 OPS, 281 average with a 350 OBP, um, as well as nine home runs in 73 games. Uh, but I would like to see that K rate a little lower. He had a 26% last season. He came to our farm system at a time when, when uh, first base was extremely thin in our organization. Um, unfortunately for him, though, a month later, we traded for Lewin Diaz. So I do expect him to be blocked uh, moving forward. Um, but I love him. I mean, I really like him as a piece in our, in our system. Should be the, t- the 2021 starter um, at first base in, in high Jupiter next season.
0: Uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Evan Edwards, uh, a big piece for the Marlins coming out of the draft. Um, he's a first baseman, like you said, uh, NC state, um, monstrous senior season there. Uh, 328, 436, 629, seventh best OBP, 10th best slugging percentage and ninth most RBIs in the ACC, which is a big conference. Um, yeah. So, uh, lefty hitter, uh, pretty average build, just six, six foot 200, uh, but hits for power because of the bat speed. Um, compact approach, pretty short, to the, pretty short with the swing. Doesn't overemphasize anything. Good vertical movement. Good leverage in the arms. Torque in the hips. Uh, turns his hips into the ball really advantageously. Knows the body well. Uses all the tools. Uses every bit of his frame, which is a limited frame, but he uses every bit of it in, in, his, uh, in his approach, which you really love to see. Uh, you know, small front foot timing trigger. Doesn't, like I said, doesn't overemphasize anything. Uh, good eye, especially for a plus power hitter. Definitely a guy I could see that can hit for both power and average at the next level. Uh, Really just waits out pitchers and waits for his cookie. And that's the ones he's able to put over the fence. Uh, Yeah, Evan Edwards. uh, Definitely a guy I see see with uh, 20-plus homer potential. Uh, And based off of his ION Selective, it's like I said, a good average and a good OVP, uh, which is a rare skill set to find, but uh, a welcome one for the Marlins system. So Evan Edwards, you like him. Uh, We're going to 47. And one of my favorite pieces in the Marlins organization is... Daniel Castano. Daniel Castano, I call him the Italian stallion, and you'll know why. (laughs) Castano, he doesn't really get a lot of attention from ranking systems or media, but he's really starting to make a name for himself. Uh, He's a Florida native from Orlando. Uh, He did go to college at Baylor in Texas. Played a ton of baseball in college, almost 400 innings pitched, and really had the body held up really well. Uh, He gave up a lot of hits, almost 10 per nine. Uh, but limited walks and kept the whip respectable. Uh, 1.2 whip for his college career. Uh, Again, this is beginning on the fact that he's able to limit damage. Um, For once, the senior year in college, to sign with the Cardinals. Um, He had a great year in short season ball with the Cardinals in 2017 before being traded to the Marlins in the Ozuna deal. Uh, Started in Jupiter where he struggled, but he likely wasn't 100% when he had those struggles. Went down with an injury in early June that year. Uh, returned mid-month and got assigned to Greensboro back in single A. Uh, went off there, 2.7 ERA, 1.04 whip, 52-4 KBB. Yes, 52 strikeouts, four walks, and 50 innings pitched with Greensboro. Uh, got back up to Jupiter for his last two starts, both quality starts. Uh, 100% healthy to start last season, uh, began back with the hammerheads. Uh, pitched out of the pen, probably precautionary in order to gauge the arm strength. Uh, got into twelve games that year, uh, through thirty-three innings, proved he was a full go, uh, three point eight two ERA, one point two whip. Uh, made his huge jump up to Double A in May of last season, and results just kept coming for him despite that huge jump. Uh, Eighteen games. Uh, this is where he started uh, starting games again. Eleven starts, eighty-six innings, three point three five ERA, one point one four whip, seventy-three sixteen KBB. So. You see these results, and you definitely see that he was not 100% to start the season with the Hammerheads because the results and the stats were just way off. So, uh, yeah, that season last year, uh, that stint with the with the uh, Shrimp stands out and stood out to the Marlins. Uh, 16.2 strikeout-to-walk ratio, by the way. Uh, he was invited to spring training, five shutout innings on three hits for the Marlins spring training uh, before the shutdown. Uh, he's a guy who hasn't been talked about, like I said, a lot because of the age. Uh, He'll be 26 in September. So an older guy. Uh, But he's been solid at every level of the minors and he's just steadily continued to improve despite some injury problems. Um, Even in the shutdown, this is a big thing for me. He posted on Instagram the other day that he's working on a fourth pitch, a slider. So yeah, even a guy that shows the work ethic amid baseball not being around, he's at Baylor University in their batting cages and bullpens and he's starting to throw a slider. So says a lot for the work ethic for me. Uh, like I said, he's an older guy. He's got the maturity around him. Uh, big stocky guy, lefty, 6'4", 240. Uh, extremely quick worker, which I love to see. Repeats uh, the arm circle, full arm circle on all of his pitches, over the top delivery. Very quick to the plate, adds a deception. Um, he's an off-speed guy uh, with control and command, 60-grade control and command. Uh, he'll rarely hit 90, but he'll really miss a spot. So everything that about him is moving. All three pitches move. He's got fastball usually fits 85, 87, but it moves all over the place. Uh arm side finish to it. Uh best secondary is a curveball. He'll drop all the way, he'll drop it all the way down to like 69, 70. Usually sits 71, 73. Uh high arc, good downward bite to it. Uh usually hits a spot. Like I said, he's a great, great control and command guy. Generates a ton of wisp with that pitch. Uh he's got a little bit of lateral movement to that pitch too. So not only is this pitch moving up and down, it's moving side to side. And that's what I see out of Costano's curveball that really impresses me. Uh, Mixes in a good changeup, 80-82. Depth to it. uh, Good fade back to the arm side. Um, So like I said, nothing he throws is straight. He doesn't have the velo, but he's got the movement and he definitely has the control command. Uh, Adds in some track from pitches despite the limited velo. Um, He's already very tough to hit and adding the slider is a new wrinkle for him. So yeah, Uh, an older guy, but given the age and what the Marlins have coming, Uh, you know, you limit his long-term future with the organization, but in the next year to two years, he's a guy that can contribute to the Marlins. Um, If not, if the Marlins don't think so, which I think they should think so, but I definitely think so. Based off how I talk, you can tell that. Um, If the Marlins don't think so, he is Rule 5 eligible next offseason. So this coming season, whatever happens with that, um, you know, he's Rule 5 eligible, maybe a potential trade ship. But yeah, definitely can get some value, whether it be with the team or, or on another team from a Daniel Castano. So, a couple notes here. Uh, first one
1: is how much did we kill the Cardinals with that Ozuna trade? I yeah. mean, for two years of Ozuna, <laughs> we got Sandy Alcantara, possible ace, you know, all star last season. We got Zach Gallon that turned into Josh Chisholm. We got McNary McNair- Sierra, and we got Daniel Castano. I mean, for two years of Ozo, that that, that was beautiful. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask was, okay, so he should begin the season in Triple A. Question is, um, starter or reliever? He's he's training as a starter. I mean, if he's adding a, a slider as well, um, that that um, Wichita rotation is going to be crazy. Um, what do you think?
0: Yeah, the Wichita rotation stands to be ridiculous, especially if Sixto jumps up there or when Sixto jumps up there, I should say. Um, like I've mentioned, I think six, could start, uh, well, I think he could have started back in double a, but now with everything, if we get a minor league season and I think six, we'll probably go up to a triple a, but anyways, back to Castano. Yeah. It, it, without, with or without six that, that rotation is going to be ridiculous. And Castano, I think is a guy who could be there, uh, based off of what happens with COVID and everything else. Castano is a guy who I think definitely adds to that rotation, especially like you said, if he adds a slider. So I think he profiles better as a starter just based off of his ability to throw so many pitches and you know, he's a low effort guy, you know, it doesn't really overstress the arm. And I, I really, I really, really like him as a starter, more so than a reliever, Wh- whatever team he winds up on. I think he's a start p- uh, uh, rotation. piece.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think, I think we agree. I think we're on the same page with that. At number 48, we have a uh, right-handed pitching reliever, Tommy evil. Uh, Drafted in the ninth round in 2016 by the D-backs became the piece that came back to Miami on that Ziegler trade during the um, 2018 trade deadline. 26 years old. So he's getting up there uh, in age, uh, six, five, touchdown, Tommy. Uh, He's a specimen for those that don't know. um, Evold was a quarterback uh, for USF while rehabbing for an injury. He started playing slow pitch softball. Um, and did so well that he was convinced to to get back to baseball. Killed it and got drafted. It's an amazing story um, that I'm assuming uh, uh, Alex here probably knows more than I do about it, but it really is an amazing story. He sits mid-90s, touches in 97 with a solid slider. Through 2018, his professional numbers were incredible um, with a career 180 RA, 0.95 whip. But after that season, the wheels, really started coming off a bit. He was invited to the Arizona Fall League in 2018 and really struggled there. Um, He was invited to spring training last year and didn't make it to the big team. He didn't do uh, badly, but he didn't make it to the team, um, to to the Marlins. He started 2019 um, in the minors in AAA and really got hammered. Like they, 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 you know, he, he really struggled. Um, in 18 games, 771 ERA, 159 whip, 8.55 FIP. Um, so he was understandably sent down to A in June, where he reminded us what he's capable of. 277 ERA, 0.88 whip, and 12.46 K per nine. Um, his next season is a big one. He'll probably start at uh, AAA again, I would say. Um, will he be the
0: 2019 first half guy or the
1: second half guy?
0: yeah he uh he he's a guy like you said, uh, first half, not so great, second half, really great. Uh, but touchdown Tommy, like you said like you mentioned, I love the nickname. He was born actually down here in my hometown in the same hometown as Lewis Brinson, Carl Springs uh, in really? South Florida, uh, probably about forty five minutes away from Marlin's Park. Um, grew up in Tampa, uh, but definitely honors his time spent in Texas and how he shows up to camp and how he dresses in his personal life. This guy is one of the biggest characters in the organization and one of my favorites. He shows up to work, uh, and you saw Miguel Rojas parody this in spring training, I think, <laughs> last year. He shows up to work in the skin-tight denim jeans, tucked-in flannel shirt, huge shiny belt buckle, and cowboy boots. So, yeah, a guy that was born in Florida that's dressing like this. He's a huge character, <laughs> and he has a great personality, which you'd love to see. Uh, past that, uh, the, the background, you mentioned it, uh, played football uh, uh, for the University of South Florida, which is where I went to college. Uh, before he tore his ACL. Uh, He made the switch to baseball when he got healthy um, and walked onto the baseball squad for USF in 2014. He redshirted in each of his collegiate seasons. And when he picked up the baseball in 2014, he hadn't done so since high school. And that showed in his first season with USF. He really struggled in his first collegiate season, uh, getting reacclimated with the sport and everything else. Uh, But he put in a great amount of work and made himself draftable. Uh, jumped off the page in the second college season, 2.21 ERA, 1.13 WIT, 67, 24 KBB, uh, 52 innings. Uh, so definitely a lot to be said for that, uh, level of athleticism from Tommy to come back from a huge injury, like an ACL tear, uh, and get back on the mound and pretty much learn how to pitch again. So yeah, pitch, learn, learn how to pitch from the ground up and definitely learn the crafty side of pitching from the ground up Where in high school, you're just taught to go throw the ball. This guy learned his pitch grips. He learned how to mix in multiple breaking pitches, learned how to simplify his mechanics, uh, all other stuff, and make them a draft, made him a draftable piece. Um, yeah, so um, uh, like you said, uh, was a trade piece with Arizona. Uh, he was a new arrival with, in A when he came to the Marlins. Uh, and the Marlins uh, got him in return for, like you said, Brad Ziegler. Uh, and what we saw from Tommy is clear what Scouts saw coming out of college. Uh, the clear athleticism, the natural arm strength, huge size, 6'5", 194. Uh, good pitcher's body, lean waist, big, long waist, big, long legs, stuff like that. Naturally creates the shorter distance of play, throws it downhill. So before you even get to the stuff, there's already a lot to like, right? Fluid delivery for him, repeats it well. Four pitches to him for a reliever. Four pitches for a reliever. Want to drive that home. Fastball, slider, change and curve. Uh, he can throw all four of them, but he really only relies on the first two, the fastball and slider. And it's a great combination. 93, 95 fastball uh, does it with good sync. Doesn't move much side to side. Doesn't have a lot of arm side run to it. Uh, but the ability to throw it in all four quadru- quadrants, excuse me, for strikes, uh, for both whiffs and weak contact is huge for Tommy. And that's the kind of reliever I think he's going to be. Is the the guy that can get strikeouts, but definitely the guy that can also rely, uh, you know, on a lot of days work. Maybe he comes in having worked the last three days. He can just throw it low in the zone and get a lot of ground balls. Uh, 86 to 90 with the power slider good depth and run to the spot, good feel for that pitch. Uh, like I said, hits spots with it. Uh, when he's at his best, he's nicking corners with it and frustrating hitters. Um, doesn't really have a third pitch, like I said, but can throw those other two pitches. If they develop, that's massive for him. If not, he's still a great two-pitch pitcher with a great two-pitch combination. So yeah, Tommy Evald, uh a guy that has a 50% ground ball rate in his minor league career. Uh, but like I said, he can, also, he can also get strikeouts. So a guy that can do it in multiple ways out of the bullpen. Uh, so I think he's going to be a really, really great late relief or closer piece for the Marlins, uh, in the near future. So yeah, Tommy Eveld at number 48. Great piece. All right, guys, that's where we're going to leave it for this episode, uh, as we're already running over time again, uh, of swimming upstream, (laughs) our second part of our deep dive into the minor league system of the Miami Marlins. And a good glimpse at some of the draftees that have already joined our list and will be joining our list in the near future. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Me and Daniel really appreciate the time spent. We love spending the time with you guys talking about prospects. And we'll be back for part three in the very near future of our top 100 consensus list on Swimming Upstream. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.